Welcome to Podcast Hackers, the show for podcasters by podcasters. Here, each episode, you'll hear from the best and brightest podcasters and learn how they're growing their audience, monetizing their shows, and making an impact through podcasting. And now, your host, Craig Hewitt. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Podcast Hackers. Today, I have Nathan Bottomley on the show. Nathan, how you doing? I'm really well. Thanks for uh, coming on today and talking about a flight through entirety. So uh, for the folks who kind of don't know you or haven't heard about your show, would you mind kind of giving a little bit of background on you and how you got started into podcasting and what you're up to these days? Sure. Well, I'm, uh, I live in Australia, uh, in Sydney, and I've always been a fan of the TV show Doctor Who. Uh, Doctor Who has a sort of rather different history in Australia than perhaps it does in America. But uh, here in Australia, the show was on when I was a child pretty much, you know, every evening at sort of 6.30pm. And it was something that really everyone knew about and wasn't just a sort of niche nerd kind of uh, interest. Uh, and so as I grew up, I had friends who were Doctor Who fans. I got involved in the Doctor Who fan club. And today, now that I'm sort of much older, a lot of my uh, friends are people that I met through the Doctor Who fan club. And uh, the podcast really arose when a friend of mine, Brendan Jones, was having his annual Christmas cocktail party and we were kind of standing around chatting, saying what we you know, fondly believed were hilarious things about Doctor Who and he suggested that uh, we should really repeat the conversation in front of a microphone and put it out for everyone to listen to. And so I guess that's how the podcast started. We've been running for about three years and we've got sort of 132 episodes under our belt and the idea is that we are watching Doctor Who all the way from the beginning from when it first started in November 1963 Um, and of course it's still going strong we've uh, covered the first 26 years of it already so all the way up to uh, 1989. Wow wow that's amazing I can't get my head past the James Bond movie, uh, <laughs> Dr. No. So I don't know why my head is sort of fixated on the wrong thing here. But uh, I, so I'm not terribly familiar with the Doctor Who podcast, but, uh, or the Doctor Who show. But uh, I do think that it's interesting. One of the things I, I chime on in every one of these episodes is I love that we get a chance to talk to people from all different walks of podcasting life. And you're no exception. And talking about a podcast about a TV show is is really a unique perspective. So I guess from... I, I'll start with longevity. So 130 some, some odd episodes in, three years. It's about the same amount of time I've been podcasting. My show is 122 episodes right now, I think. So we're, we're at kind of similar places. And I know that for me as a podcaster, I've I've grown up a lot and I've learned a lot about not just what works and what doesn't. Um, and I certainly don't have it all figured out, but but I definitely have kind of sifted down into what is really important to me and my show and our audience. And, and from your perspective, I'm sure you have as well. So I'd love to hear some of the things that like through the course of 130 episodes, you've realized this is really important and this isn't, right? Because I'm sure there have been a lot of those moments for you guys, right? Yeah, I think, I think that what we really discovered is that 
it was important to release regularly and predictably. Now I say that, you know, at a time when our show's on sort of hiatus, we haven't released an episode since late last year. We're taking a little break between the classic series, what Doctor Who fans call the classic series, which ended in 1989 and taking on the new series, which started up in 2005. And we've got some sort of specials on the way, but putting something out really regularly. When we first started, we had a release schedule that was twice a month and we were putting out episodes that were an hour and a half long. And those episodes would deal with three Doctor Who stories. And we decided sort of quite early on that it was really much better to record the same amount of material, but to divide it up into smaller episodes and have a really predictable release schedule. And the result of that was just much more engagement. I think the thing that surprised me most about my podcasting experience was how much I would end up enjoying the engagement with the audience because we've got a very niche podcast. It's not something that's of general interest, but those people who are interested in it are really interested in it. And so as a result, I've actually found that I've made friends through being on the podcast and people people that I've actually met um, who have heard hundreds of hours of me sort of banging on about Doctor Who, who are looking at me sort of baffled and amazed that uh, this voice is coming out of my face, right, you know, right. sitting opposite them. And, and that's actually happened to such an extent. I had a sabbatical at the end of last year, which is uh, one of the reasons that we, we're having this break. I was away for two and a half months and I visited someone in Manchester and someone in London, people that I'd never seen before, but that I'd interacted with on Twitter and Facebook through the podcast and people that I've now become friends with. The other weekend, uh, we had a group of people over from Perth, from the very other side of Australia, who travelled over to meet us and uh, we recorded an episode on their podcast, which they started after listening to our podcast. It sounds sort of terribly sort of, you know, busy and incestuous and things. But but I think regular posting and engagement with the audience makes the whole thing just so rewarding uh, and really helps motivate you to get in front of the microphone and get recording and, you know, get something out regularly. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's fantastic. I, mean, I think regular regular publishing is tough. Um, so I have a question about that. So you have four people on your podcast, right? Well, it's it's four people. Normally we have three people at a time. There's two of them who alternate due to availability, but for special episodes, we'll have all four of us. Okay. And scheduling has to be a disaster, right? I mean, <laughs> scheduling three or four people at the same time, you're all in the same time zone, even I'm sure it's tough, right? In fact, the funny thing is that because the genesis of the podcast was you know, three people standing around at a cocktail party talking, it's pretty much uh, maintained that format. And so it's not just we need to schedule, but we need to be able to all get together in one place at the same time. I've guested on podcasts over Skype and things before, but uh, we've never recorded an episode of FTE except when all four of us were sitting on the couch together. So for us, that adds a level of engagement. I think part of the appeal of the podcast is that it's friends sitting around talking, making one another laugh, you know, people with a shared history and a a sort of shared cultural language 
talking about this sort of silly thing. So that adds something to, you know, the, the difficulties of scheduling. But fortunately, uh, you know, we all live fairly close to one another. So, you know, walking distance in some cases. So, you know, that helps a bit. We are changing things up when we return and start covering the new series because we do have some guests who live interstate or overseas who we'd quite like to have on the podcast. So we will be shifting the focus, but hopefully we'll kind of try and maintain that friends sitting on a couch chatting for ages sort of atmosphere that we have. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I love that. Uh, I love, I love the variety of podcasting. So myself, I've done, geez, I don't know, 300 podcast episodes total across a couple different shows and I've only recorded in person once. So I think that kind of goes to show you, you can do podcasting any way you want to do and there's no right way. It's just whatever works for you and your show and your audience and, and the people involved in your podcast. So, so I wanted to, to go back and kind of circle back on engaging with your audience. You mentioned Twitter and Facebook uh, and that it's been really fun to meet people in person who you've kind of known through your show. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how that's evolved over the 130 episodes. And like, I hope this is really where we pick out like that gem of something you guys do particularly well uh, with your show is kind of creating user engagement because I can guess that these kind of niche podcasts are where you get some really kind of rabid fans who are just can't get enough of Doctor Who, right? And so that's why they engage so heavily. But, but can you talk about some of the things you guys have learned along the way? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think having a sort of a sort of defined voice on social media, we have a sort of dry, sort of rather silly comedy voice. We don't take the show very seriously. Uh, Doctor Who, you know, was on the BBC in the sixties and seventies and has a great reputation for sort of rubber monsters and and um, cardboard sets. And you know, sometimes fans try to defend the show against that, but uh, we really you know, we like to meet that head on. Um, and so, you know, after each episode, we pick a photo that, you know, is funny or silly or striking or that people are unlikely to have seen before and, you know, post straight away saying that the episode's up. We use a joke, the newly increased Twitter character count has helped with that a bit. And, you know, we cross post to Facebook as well. And then as things come up, there's always news and stories uh, around Doctor Who. You know, we post those as well. We've involved ourselves in conversations with other podcasters and just other fans. And I guess the thing is to be responsive, to, uh, to really continue to monitor those sort of social media channels and to be human in the way that you engage with people. I imagine that with a big sort of more general interest podcast, that's a little bit more difficult and one with a sort of larger audience as well. But with a sort of niche podcast like ours, with a sort of artisanal homemade sort of podcast, <laughs> we're really able to have a really sort of friendly social media presence. I guess we've never sort of shied from the opportunity to appear elsewhere as well so all four of us have appeared on different podcasts at different times just as the show became popular but i do have to say that the popularity of the show and it you know it has an audience measured in hundreds really rather than anything greater than that the popularity of the show really did come as a surprise to us and i don't think we really had any idea 
what that would mean. You know, the idea that there are, are people out there who've heard you talk for ages and ages and know your verbal tics and, you know, who your partner is and what you think about things and you've never met them. And, and you know, you come across someone, it's a sort of weird kind of minor celebrity. You come across someone who knows all this stuff about you and you don't know anything, anything at all about them. And, you know, I really, really going in, uh, you know, expected to, have things to say and and to get the opportunity to talk i knew that i'd be sort of fiddling about with a website and and stuff like that but what i really really never knew would be that the best part of it and the most important part of it was kind of growing an audience and interacting in a sort of you know friendly responsive way with a group of people and you kind of say rabid Doctor Who fans and, and uh, you know, that was kind of who I was expecting was listening, particularly since, you know, we're talking about black and white shows from the 1960s, you know, quite early on, some of which no longer even exist. I thought it was a really, really niche market. But everyone that I've actually met and interacted with has actually been sort of really funny and witty and likeable. And, you know, sure. I've never had a negative interaction. It's been... It's been the best part of the entire thing, I think. That's great. That's great. So you, you're organizing kind of in-person events now. Was that kind of intentional or did that just evolve out of the, the odd person saying, hey, we ought to get together. I'm going to be over in the area. Uh, what, was, what was kind of the, the evolution of that? Because I mean, I think it's really something to see. Okay, we started as a podcast, just three or four guys sitting on the couch talking about a TV show. And now... Yeah, I wouldn't call it a conference, but you're having get-togethers and you're meeting people and you're going places just to just to meet people that interact with the show. What's what's kind of the evolution of that been like, and and kind of your thought process around that? So I guess you know the very first thing. I mean, it surprised me no end that there were people prepared to listen to us. You know, initially, <laughs> and we really, you know, I listened back to the earlier episodes and the audio quality isn't fantastic, and you know, we kind of hit on our shtick quite early on, I think. The sort of things we say, the approach we take, you know, is, is sort of there fully formed early on. But the show does sound a bit rough in the early episodes. Um, and so, you know, just gradually we started to interact with people on social media. And then there was one occasion where there was a giant Doctor Who convention in Sydney. Uh, Peter Capaldi, who uh, was playing the Doctor at the time, was out and there were some other actors who'd been in the show and someone contacted us to say that they were coming over from Perth, from Western Australia, and would we be at the convention? And so, you know, that's a sort of fairly normal interaction in a sort of fandom setting. But the fact that it had arisen because they knew of us through the podcast and through no other way, and this is the first person, um, Stephen, who... Uh, we met through the podcast. We, you know, had lunch together. We hit it off. And, you know, he came over. He was there the other weekend. He was part of that little kind of informal podcasting conference. In fact, it was um, him and his friend Daniel from New to Who podcast who kind of set it up. And I guess the evolution has not really gone beyond making new friends and going places to meet them or having them meet us. And even within a sort of Doctor Who fan circle, which isn't something that I really, you know, spend much time involved in, just being a little bit better known as well. So, look, I don't think we'll ever do sort of live podcasts or anything like that, like the, you know, the guys at the Flophouse do. But, um, 
I expect that, particularly as we go into a kind of new era of the podcast and we're dealing with the show as it exists now, you know, and as it's been on air for the last 12 years, I think that our audience will grow and a whole new group of fans will, uh, you know, turn up and we'll be doing that more and more. But for me, that is easily kind of the best thing uh, about the entire podcasting experience. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I think that something that's interesting about this is that you're you're in a, a niche kind of podcasting space and you're talking about another form of entertainment. For someone else who might be listening that's, that's in a, a similar boat, I know there's a lot of podcasts about movies or entertainment or music, other TV shows. Do you think that that you would have some some kind of insights specifically to that type of like that genre of podcast or that category that you guys live in that that you think you've learned maybe that you're doing particularly well maybe that you hadn't always done very well but but are doing better at now because I think this is a a place that a lot of people particularly that I would Oh, you would probably consider yourself in this boat to be like a hobbyist podcaster. You don't expect this to be a full-time deal. Yeah. But people who want to really kind of serve this market and really participate in it. Any kind of thoughts around that? I think it's important to have a real clear concept for your show. You know, you need to give people a reason to listen and, a, and you need to give them some idea of what's coming up, what sort of thing you do. And they really need to have that idea before they listen to a whole bunch of episodes. Our thing's right there in sort of the flight through entirety title. It's a riff on a, uh, an episode of Doctor Who from the 60s. Uh, and the idea is we're watching Doctor Who in order and talking about it. It's not an earth-shakingly brilliant concept. Our friends on uh, New to Who choose stories from before 1989 that are popular and accessible and explain why someone who watches the new show, the post-2005 show, uh, why they would watch these old ones. You know, So it's a very sort of clear idea of what, you, what sort of thing you're getting and why you might be listening. We even do... We even do a James Bond commentary podcast uh, where, again, you know, you sit down, if you possibly can, you put your James Bond DVD on and then you listen to us kind of rambling, you know, absurdly about it for (laughs) (laughs) the running time. Um, And, again, that's just a very clear concept. We're very different on, we call it Bond Finger. Um, (laughs) I won't explain why. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and you know, you've got a very clear idea of, of what it is you're, you're in for. So I think having a really clear concept, you know, is, is really important, I think. And particularly, like, you know, the Doctor Who podcasts and the media podcasts, they're not, they're not a very well-known space, but they're a reasonably crowded space. Mm-hmm. And so having something, having something that is distinctive and having a, a core concept that's very clear, I think, is important. Yeah. No, I love that. I mean, I think it's important for for you as a, a, a content creator, for you and the people that you do your podcast with to know kind of who you are and why you're podcasting and who you're podcasting for, your who your audience is. But then also for the listeners to say, okay, Nathan is going to be talking about this in the show. And I know every time that I tune in for an episode, it's going to be about X, Y, and Z. So they know what to expect. I think that listeners understandably get really confused when your show is about this one week and that the next week and you have a guest on or it's your co-host or, or whatever. 
Um, and that's what we tell people when they, they kind of ask our opinion on how should I structure my podcast is, is figure out what your show is about and who you're talking to and, and try to be as clear as you can and stick with that because consistency, like publishing every week, but also publishing the same theme of material and not the same material, but the same type of material in the same format with the same people yeah. uh, is really important because then people really start to associate strongly with your podcast. So I think that's really, that's really key. Well, I very much resisted going off format for quite a long time when the show started. I thought it was really, really important to establish our voice to, to let people know the sort of thing that we did. But a number of episodes in, we've had like maybe two kind of special episodes. One was when we, instead of looking at the next Doctor Who story, we looked at an episode of The Avengers, the uh, British TV show from the 1960s that was similar, uh, and that was just a one-off thing. We did our usual shtick, but instead of doing it for a Doctor Who, we did it for another uh, genre TV thing that was relevant to where Doctor Who was. And then another one that we did, and Brendan, my co-host, who has done the bulk of the editing for the entire run, decided that we should actually um, do an audio drama of the script of a lost episode, an episode that was never produced. Uh, and so instead of us sort of sitting around a couch uh, just talking, we had an episode that was we were all playing sort of roles in Doctor Who and we got the permission of the uh, incidental music composer for, you know, that episode or, you know, that sort of time of the show, we got his permission to use his music and so on. Uh, and those two things went down really well, but they wouldn't have gone down well if they um, weren't a departure from something that was sort of fairly well established, I think. Sure, sure. Otherwise, it would have just been random, right? But this was yeah, yeah. sort of no intentional to be it. different. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. To to get into a little bit of nuts and bolts, uh, can you talk about your recording set up with having multiple people in the same room? Yeah, so I don't own the sound uh, equipment. We have a sort of a big, you know, we have a little recording device that records things onto an SD card. It's um, linked to a giant soundboard with, you know, all the knobs and dials on it. Uh, and it's just connected to four, you know, hand mics. We hold them in our hand. We each have a microphone. Uh, Brandon normally will be sitting there, uh, you know, on headphones adjusting the levels and so on as we speak. But it is a little bit rough and it does rely a lot on post-processing. We use a tool called Orphonic, you know, to process things afterwards and it has a noise gate and a compressor. Uh, and since we've started using it, the sound quality that we've produced has, uh, you know, improved markedly. But it is a little bit rough. And in fact, we were hugely impressed the other week when our friends from New to Who podcast came over and they had sort of microphone stands and, and pop shields and all sorts of exciting things. Very that, fancy, uh, right? Made them, made them look much, <laughs> much more professional than we are. Um, but... Yeah, the sound, you know, the sound has been rough, as I said, early on, and uh, we have had to rely a little bit on post-processing to uh, improve it. But, you know, the equipment, it's Brendan's equipment, and uh, it is, you know, stuff that he's sort of sourced on eBay and things, uh, and I gather it was reasonably expensive, and I'm desperately hoping he's going to let me continue to borrow it going forward. Right. Uh, <laughs> 
So, I mean, that's been the sort of nuts and bolts. Brendan edited uh, a lot of the episodes himself and just uses GarageBand, and I've been using a tool called Ferris on the iPad mm. uh, to edit. And because there's lots of disfluencies and, and lots of... Um, you know, things falling over outside or the cat runs into the room or whatever. We do do a fair bit of editing on FTE and it takes around about, you know, an hour to edit 10 minutes of it. I don't know if that's because we're particularly kind of undisciplined when we speak or um, perfectionist or whatever. But, you know, a reasonable amount of work goes into turning it into something that, you know, we think people will be prepared to listen to. Sure, sure. No, I, mean, I think that's a great point for, for folks listening that, that post-processing can be as easy or as hard as you make it when you record, I feel like. that. Uh, so for one of my podcasts, and even this show, I think we do a lot of editing, but a lot of just kind of algorithmic editing, and there's not a lot of content editing um, because I try to prepare myself and my co-host on my other show and, and our guests on this show ahead of time, okay, we're going to talk about this, this, and this, and this is kind of the format. And I'm also talking to other podcasters. So I guess that makes it a little easier that, that this isn't your first rodeo. But I think the, the point is you can make it as hard or as easy as you want based on how structured you are up front. So I would imagine if you guys took like an ounce of prevention, right, to get a, a pound of result in the end, yeah. that would probably work out pretty well for you. But But if it's not that important, then that's not a big deal. But I think folks who might be looking at saying, I don't want to do any post-processing. The lesson there is just do a little bit of work ahead of time to prepare yourself or your co-host or your guest. And you really can have almost no editing needed afterwards. It's really amazing. The Bond Finger thing, which is a commentary podcast, obviously we can't edit, you know, otherwise we'd get out of sync with the... Uh, sure, with yeah. The if anyone was crazy enough to actually watch it at the same time as the film. And... Uh, you know, that's that ends up being much looser and much sort of sillier and there's a little bit sort of more over-talking, whereas with FTE, I do want to kind of maintain that sort of atmosphere of mates sitting around, uh, you know, on a couch chatting to one another. But I don't want to sort of tire people out with constant sort of disfluencies and, and things like that. And I also do like the opportunity to be able to say in the middle of a recording, no, actually... I think I can put that better. And I think that that actually takes some of the pressure off as well. One of the reasons why we're able to be so casual is that we know that if we say something sort of wrong or ridiculous or if we forget someone's name halfway through or something like that, we can stop and have another take. Yeah, no, that's huge. That's huge for sure. Especially for newer podcasters, I think that's a, that's a very important thing that you can stop and start over, just start the whole sentence or, or thought over again and edit it out later. And it takes a ton of the pressure off your guests or your co-hosts as well. And you say, hey, we are going to edit this afterwards. This is not Facebook Live. So don't worry if you misspeak or, or say something you want to go repeat it later. It's no problem. So yeah, it's wonderful. I've actually, I'd never edited audio before. And so uh, I learned to do it in order to do the podcast. And it's actually one of those things, you know, the state of flow that you get in when you're really absorbed in something. I really like doing it. It is sort of something that I can sit there and then look up two hours later and go, oh my goodness, where's the time gone? Yeah. So that was a fun skill to learn and something that it turns out I really enjoy doing. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I agree. I still do it 
a lot, even though we have another business of mine that just does podcast editing and production, but I still edit my own <laughs> show because I just, I like to have my hands in it. So maybe I'm a control freak, but I just like it. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Nathan, can you share with folks where they can learn more about you and your podcast and, and what you guys are up to? Sure. So we're uh, on the web at flightthroughentirety.com uh, and you can catch us on Twitter at FTE podcast. And we're also Flight Through Entirety on Facebook. So uh, that's probably the best place to see us. Certainly all the episodes and sort of fairly detailed show notes are up there on flightthroughentirety.com. Okay. Awesome. Nathan, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of Podcast Hackers. If you liked what you heard today, please head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. This goes a long way towards helping spread the word about the show to other podcasters just like you. Until next time, happy podcasting.